Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, lads and lasses, and those who don't subscribe to Agenda, welcome to the Pot of the Dragon podcast. This is a reaction podcast to episode 8 of HBO's House of the Dragon. We just watched it, Spencer. It is 10.20 p.m. Eastern Time, so we literally finished about 10 minutes ago watching it. We have not discussed it at all. Not one iota, not a text, not a nothing. What'd you think? This episode, probably more than any other, was the one that actually brought tears to my eyes thanks to an absolutely masterful knock-it-out-of-the-park performance from Patty Constantine. Dear God, did that man just summon an incredible performance in the role of a king summoning the last will of his life in a desperate gamble to try to keep his family together. And it was magnificent. It was an incredible performance. The episode itself was almost entirely created for the show. I mean, what what parallel events it's going to be actual, at times even hard to draw uh, in terms of doing our book-to-show adaptation, but it was well-written, it was well-paced, it involved several significant changes we're going to have to discuss later on our second part episode, but I quite liked it. I thought it was a very good, well-written episode, just carried by an absolutely colossal towering performance from our now late King Viserys. So... Here's what I realized while I was watching this is that I think that over the years I've started to watch Game of Thrones like I watch sporting events. It's like, oh shit, that guy died. Oh shit, that happened. Like rooting interests, like go Renera, go Team Black. Like I'm almost watching it like I do a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten away from the fact that it's actually a television show. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that like it's art and that it could actually move me emotionally as opposed to this sort of like generic rooting interest sports team type hoorah thing. Mm -hmm. I was not prepared for an episode that would actually affect me emotionally. Like I'm not, I've not gotten that in game of Thrones maybe ever. Like, I mean, I've, I've felt things, right? but I've never like genuinely felt like sad or teared up over. Yeah. Like, so I'll, I'll make the comparison to the wire, right? Sure. You're one of your favorite dies, shows of all time for our audience. So to spoiler say. alert, when Wallace dies in in The Wire, oh, yeah. I cried. Like I just Se- sat and cried. Season one, um, powerful moment. Right. That type of moment is not what Game of Thrones is to me. Mm-hmm. But it gave me that this episode. So it was a very strange viewing experience. I almost felt like I was watching a different show. I, am stu- I don't know how they got all of that out of the four lines in fire and blood that we got about King Viserys. That was what they've done with that character. You know, Martin said when he was being interviewed about this show, when he'd seen it all and we haven't seen anything that the main difference he felt like in the adaptation was what they did with King Viserys. And he thought they did it better than he did. Well, that's not really going out on a limb uh, because they obviously did it better <laughs> it, than him. It's incredible. What awkward. they've done with the King Viserys character is like, lo- you know, we're, we, we're getting so caught up in this whole like Renera versus Alicent, the changing of the actors, the time jumping thing. And what has snuck up on me is that the real story being told here is the decline of this king who is this, you know, really sort of subtle, but also like tragic figure and it, oh, yeah. it snuck up on me and hit me emotionally in a way that the show has not done maybe in any episode I have ever gotten. And I'm lumping the Bane series in with this. It, it, it's truly impressive. I mean, it, it's a character that was interesting enough in the books, but they have elevated him into something that is decidedly different. It is a different character, but I'm have a hard time ever just seeing it in different light just from how well they've done with it. The tragedy, the pathos, the dedication, the helplessness, all piled together into one very flawed but very compelling person. 
When those doors opened in this episode, and that king struggles his way to the throne to take his mantle, to make a last declaration of his last act of will. Unbelievable. I'm tearing up. I'm just Absolutely like in awe. Well, well, you know me, man. I, I was ball balling the whole time. I cry all the time. But yeah, I mean, that that was a, by the way, if ever we've gotten, is that King Viserys music Dear situation? Christ, we yes. got one. Unbelievable that he summons it. And it's like he's summoning all of this power it's a, it's a, it's a massively heroic it's the most heroic thing we've seen probably but, on game of thrones other than maybe some of the stuff john did but like certainly the most in this show heroicism we've seen from a character because and this is something i tried to talk about in the last episode is that in his mind and i love that they drew the connection this episode in his mind it's not just about keeping his family, his family together. Like it's yeah. not just about keeping the realm together it's about fulfilling the Prince it was promised and and being able to fight the, the, the apocalypse. The North. So it's he to believes save that the, the world. He believes the future of humanity rests on this. And so when he's summoning all of that power to limp his way up onto the throne to try to rectify the situation to get the family in some sort of working order before he passes, it's truly heroic. Like and it, it, it's a it's a what? phenomenal thing that they they showed. I I really was stunned by it. But and it so just thoroughly shames the room. There's just room of little snipers of jackdaws that are just constantly looking for a way to you know just get their own little bit of power. Seeing this man, properly man, hobble his way up there just so thoroughly silences the just bickering children. It's a magnificently done scene. It, in some ways, it draws parallels in my mind. You remember, it's like three or four episodes back of when he's in that bath and he's talking to Lord Strong and he feels like, I was never tested. I never had that opportunity to prove what myself. What a great moment to call out, Spencer. Shout out to you. This was his moment. This was his yes. last desperate summoning of, I have failed. I've not accomplished everything I want to, but this is my last chance to make it right, to give us a hope, to fling a light into the future. And he summons the will to try. Yeah, that's what, that, what a what a wonderful thing to connect it to, Spencer. Shout out to you because, you know, he t he said, you know, a, a different hand might say that I would have rose like Aegon the Conqueror or whatever, but like, make fun of me if you want, disagree if you want, that's totally fine. But to me, it was just as heroic what he did in this episode. Now, did he succeed? No, of course he didn't well, succeed. It, but like, it's the fact that you use the right word. It's the fact that he tried in that state. He refused. He refuses the milk of the poppy, and he summons every bit of physicality. I mean, it, it's a physical effort that he's undertaking yeah. here to do this. And by the way, he understands how important his presence is. It's not just the fact that he can rule on the succession of Driftmark, which he did, which was great. But it was he knew that he, he, the only thing that could get these two sides talking would be his presence. And that's why he wanted the dinner. That's why he had to be there. And you notice the complete difference in the room before he arrived, after he arrived, and then once he left. Now, anything more on the tragedy of King Viserys? Well, just even more so that for that one scene at the dinner, for a second, they gave us hope. For a second, they gave us the idea that, yeah, it is cinders smoldering in the ash, but a fire is starting to stoke just through this man's efforts. And it almost seems like it's working for a half second. The two main queens are coming together. But, 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 who's quiet? Eamon and Damon. Damon. Don't say a word. Damon's will is watching it happen. Damon's there for it. Eamon on but the other hand But that's my Stuart point is that like, we do get this sort of kumbaya moment in front of Prince Viserys or King Viserys that he they can, give he him can that. see. They give him that. But the two, if you really want to stop this war... The two people that needed to be 
down and happy and connecting were doing nothing. Because by the way, folks, I'm not spoiling anything. This is just watching the show. The two fucking like, like super varsity soldiers here is Prince Eamon and Prince Damon. Like, and until those two can get on the same accord, until those two don't have hate in their heart, until those two aren't standing up and going, well, I like to give a toast to these strong boys. You have not fixed anything. (laughs) It's all window dressing until those two fuckers are in line. And it was just, it was just really captivating to me that while all that was happening, they made sure to show you that those two people still were not happy. No. And they even, I, I, two things with respect to that, that I love. One, they showed us that Damon was badass by the same way that we previously saw Damon fight through Cole. They show it was even Cole with that little morning star flailing about too. So we had a direct by the way, between the two. The type of training they do. Oh, uh, <laughs> live fire. Spencer. Uh, they, they, <laughs> I would say they've he's also swinging that morning star for that Damon's head. Yeah, like 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 the witch king going and say one. It's just all around the room. Um, I also like the two of them look so similar from how they've d- done their particular style in that way as well. Is they've got the same hair, they've got the same profile. They're pointedly making a, par- a comparison of these are these two, one writ large, one writ small. Uh, but one thing I loved with Damon, it just made me even more teary-eyed, was that when Viserys is yes. going up to the throne, yeah. he's drawing his mouth, he drops his crown, he's tr- trying desperately to stand up, and Damon, the man who previously handed him his own crown, Helps his brother up to the throne, hands his brother back his crown, gives him that last moment, gives him that last acknowledge, acknowledgement of his his reign, his, reg, his regalness. It's it was it was a beautiful moment to see Damon support his brother in that moment, and his arguably his last moments. Did you see what the last words Viserys said? No, uh, to Damon or just in general? In my, at the end of the episode when he was my, dying, my love. So he. He's seeing Emma again, right? Like yeah. that's that's the implication there, which very, you know it should make everybody feel really good. What? And he's he's on his deathbed saying no more, no more. Yeah, I did say I will say tears this. Tears in his eyes. Very serious episode. I was crying. I did at one point look at my wife and say, "Look, I I'm pretty sure I'm going to go before you. Just general health. I'm going to do my best not to go this way. <laughs> that's a tough way to go for your spouse. <sighs> and by the way, I think Renera. The cool part about what so Seinfeld reference. Mm-hmm. At one point, at one point, Jerry Seinfeld says, hey, George, you're the best liar I know. How the hell do you lie? And George goes, I don't lie. I have to believe it. That's how I do it. And yep. what Renera did is she stood up and she said the one thing that she could say honestly and truly believe mm-hmm. in that moment, positive about Allison, which was you have helped my dad during his sickness and you have stood by him. And I am grateful for that. And I think that was the one thing that she could say that would be positive. That would be in the moment, which is what Viserys wanted, but could also be genuine. So she, George Costanza did it basically is what I'm saying. Well, and it looked like it actually really touched Allison. It looked like Allison was almost just at a loss for words for how much that meant to her to have Rhaenyra say that it, it was the moment that that seemed like there was hope is after that Viserys is scanning the room and he's getting in his last moments, probably the last memories he'll have his hope, verified of his family having a pleasant dinner together. Everything he's wanted, everything he's always he striven thinks, for. He dies thinking he did it. God's, for all he's tried, for all he's failed, man, did he at least deserve to have that one moment of peace. But uh, when, when the whole thing was going on, I've read the book, obviously. It, we have, yes. Uh, by the way, the toast that Eamon gives, very famous in the books. It's yes, in it the is. Books and it's, a, it's a turning point. It's a, it's a huge, epic sort of moment in Fire and Blood. Do, I knew it doesn't was really happen then, but you know. 
Yeah, but but I knew it was coming, and I I could just yes. They they were they were doing toast, like you know, and Amon was clearly pissed. Like the cool part about Amon is that he never bought into any of this shit. No. He never. He was never soft for a second. He was like the whole time looking at this, like, all right, when is this play going to be done? Because I'm is ready. Is he leaving? To go. Is he leaving? Is the door another closed? Super cool part about, another super cool part about Amon is when Damon chops Vayman's head in half <laughs> with just the tongue Whoa. dangling out there. Yeah. Whoa. Everyone is shocked. Renera grabs her face and ears. The queen shudders. Everyone's stunned. Viserys physically falls back. Yeah. And Amon does a absolute real recognize real situation. He just looks at Damon and is like, oh, oh yeah. I, see, all right. I, I want I, one of them Valerian steel me, swords. Me and you, we're going we to tango at some point. Mm. Like, and, you know, obviously they're foreshadowing. What? But I mean, that's not, that's not anything. That's not a book spoiler. That's not anything. That's how many times did they face off in this one fucking episode? And we know that because like when Jason Luceres get mad at Damon, it's fly swatting for Eamon. Flaw, yeah. Damon, Until Damon, Damon stands up and just looks at him. And he, Damon recognizes it and he tells them to step aside and then he looks at him and that's the only thing that gets Eamon to walk away. What? So I love the I love the tension between those two characters. But that moment where he chops, by the way, we could talk about, let's talk about that moment. But when he chops his, moment, his head off, Eamon looks at him and just goes, ah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that entire scene was done very differently in the books in terms of how that process goes. Never went to King's Landing, whatever else. I liked that they did it this way because they had a great moment to bring every, all the main characters together for I one it. last I thought effort. it was better for a show. For a show, yeah. I think it's an important thing to give them that one last, bringing everybody together and let Viserys have this one last moment of grandeur. It was expertly well done. One thing I want to say just from a production standpoint, the makeup they did on Viserys this episode. Did, do, were they using a different body double? For aspects of it? I, I have it, no idea. It, man, it looked... To- did Patty Constantine lose like a hundred? Did he... Did he uh, did, did you do a Christian Bale? Things? Christian Bale or who? Uh, who's the other one? Matthew McConaughey did oh, it. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't... I, dude, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see the behind the episode on that because that's a, that's a really good question how they got... Because they had shots of his body. Like, and he was like stick figure. Stage like, three cancer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they did that. You're right. That was really impressive. So let's talk about that moment where Veyman gets his head cut off. Let's talk about that. It, I mean, did you see it coming? Uh, did I, it surprise you? I, I was anticipating that Viserys would order it. And I think Viserys was about to essentially order it. He was going to at least have his tongue, yeah. whatever else. He basically was going to order it. Yeah. And I knew in the books that Damon does it. Uh, so, But I didn't necessarily connect the two events together because I was just too enwrapped in the scene of where, man, this guy's talking too much shit. There's no way he's leaving this room alive. Thunk! Like, Oh, that resolves it. They straight up South Park Britney Spears him. Dear Christ. I did not expect it in that manner. Um, but it makes sense because, I mean, Veyman went, because Veyman stopped and and Damon and looked at Damon him and said, taunted do him. it. He said, do it. Just say it. Say yeah, it. You want Because he knew that the second he said bastards, he He's had dead. full, with Viserys there. Yeah. He had full leave to kill him. Now, if Viserys wasn't sitting there, I think if he'd have killed him, they'd have tried to take that. It would have been a whole scene thing because the high towers probably would have tried to restrain him and it would have been a whole fucking situation. But with Viserys there, he knew he had full leave to do it. I was shocked at how it happened. It was a hell of a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it was a really important moment as we're, we're starting to draw these battle lines, right? Because the entire episode, Renera seemed weak. She seemed on, on her, her back, back foot. foot. Yeah, she was struggling. No one's taking her seriously. No one is her ally, and Damon exudes strength for the blacks. Right? 
he's the one that goes, we won't, there, there's a line, we won't tolerate it. And mm-hmm. I will, I will fucking take matters into my own hands and handle this. And he actually was able to uh, bring that, that sort of like sense of seriousness and strength to her side that she just didn't have, because especially with that conversation with Rainey's, she was really, I mean, which Rainey's record absolutely, absolutely outclassed, absolutely on her back foot and desperate, which, which, you know, obviously she didn't even argue that she was desperate, right? She just said it didn't matter. Now I would like to say something on the matter of Princess. Oh, go on. Just a moment. There's been a discussion during the course of this week. All right. So in the full recap for episode seven, I did build a case. I was just building a case. Yeah, I know. I you, you, were, you were setting things. Building a case there. that Rainey's might deserve a little bit of our ire because she was being prickly to the kids. She was difficult with Corliss, et cetera, et cetera. I built, I built this beautiful, magnificent case. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of our fan base was not a big fan of the case. Uh, they thought I was being come up. particularly harsh to a woman who was mourning her own child. Um, I hear you. You don't like to say to my fan base. I hear you. Uh-huh. Here's uh-huh. what I'd like to say about princess Rainey's. All right. You ready? Uh, you've got another episode now. What do you got? What do you got to say? I think I was wrong. I think I was wrong. Really? On Rainey's. I do. I now here's the thing. She is prickly. Unquestionable. She absolutely is prickly, but I think that she is a, she is a morally good character. What? And I don't think that like, I don't, I think I was coming a little too high. I think I was trying, you know what I was trying to do? I was trying to get ahead of the curve on the take mm-hmm. and I got a little ahead of my, over my skis a little bit. And then they peeled it back. Obviously this episode, I mean, Rainey's obviously what? is a very sympathetic character. This episode. And like the fact that Viserys, when he sits down, the first thing he says is Rainey's, what do you got to say? We, we should listen to his wife. And she beamed at that. Her cousin did that for her mm-hmm. and he gave her the she floor. was ready to, t- and she was ready to talk. And I was, I, I, I was rooting for Rainey's in that moment. Right. So like, um, I'm going to stand by like 30% of the take that she's a, <laughs> she's a prickly difficult to deal with person, but I think she's a morally good character. And I think she is somebody we what? should root for. So there you go. What? I, 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 I appreciate the nuance to your view in that regard. It's one thing I would got to get to the show a lot of credit for is that there are very few bastard coded bastards. Characters that are, you know, have issues with them. That we just like have rounding they have complexity they have human flaws they have aspects of grandeur and just the deepest darkest of sins rolled into equal packages i mean we've counted before that book allison is not the easiest person to tolerate and like but man did they demonstrate her range this episode in terms of how she is just this weirdly tortured compelling character that feels what she's doing is absolutely necessary while at the same time having having second thoughts about it as well. When she's having to deal with Aegon's rape victim, like it is a tough fucking thing to watch. Uh, well, this, this was, that was one of the main characters I was going to cite as an exception. They've given us nothing to like about Aegon whatsoever. Well, see, but see, that's where the greens fall apart, right? This is your heir. This is who you're even giving Rhaenyra us. Sitting there ta- Rhaenyra sitting there talking to her fa- dying father says, you split the realm apart when you named me heir. She knows yeah. that the fact he named her heir was problematic for everybody and it would have been so much easier if he would have just gone with Aegon, but he refused to do it, named her heir, and she's going to stand by it because she thinks it's something it's she's entitled to. for the she world. She her right. And I, I'm rooting for her because I want to bust up this male primogenture thing that they got going on in Westeros. I want to like fucking uh, uh, blow it up. And so I want Queen Rhaenyra to rule. Right. But she even acknowledged that that would make it dip. That's making it difficult. But the problem is it all falls apart because the person you're going to put on the throne is the only person 
by the way, that we can agree is universally bad, right? It seems well, like every character there's, there's is a couple of others, but There's a couple others, but yes, well, he's who, definitely... Who? Tell me who. Larry's. Tell me who. I'm not sure that Larry's is universally bad. Like, I I, I don't think we have enough of his character. He, he's yet. at I least mean, he amoral. Does really, he's dangerously amoral. He obviously does really bad things, right? But, like, you know, it could be out of, like, devotion, loyalty, etc. to the queen. I'm just saying, Aegon is just, they have given us nothing to like about well, this character. So it all falls apart because if you go with the Greens, you're going to put this idiot on the on the throne. And by the way, he's young. He's good. Th- this fucking idiot might rule for 50 years. Can you imagine? What, and the only, he just raped a serving girl and didn't even remember it. The only, I put this in air quotes, sympathy that you give him is that he frequently expresses to his mother that he didn't want this and that he's in over his head. That doesn't give me sympathy to the idea of this guy ruling <laughs> It's like, if that's, if, if that's your effort at nuance, it doesn't give me any degree of, you know, confidence that this is the man I want sitting the Iron Throne. Particularly when Rhaenyra, she has her flaws, she has her complexity, she seems like she's got a good head on her shoulders and a good idea of what ruling would be like, from what we've seen of her decision-making in the past. And also, we got to see her heir on display here, and Jace impressed me a bit this episode. Yeah, Jace is a good dude, and, and you know, he... he obviously needed someone to teach him how to fight like uh because he is way behind the curve on Eamon but uh he seems like a good guy <laughs> everyone is it just seems to me like there, there's a little bit of a parallel to be made here with you know Aegon who is just a dope and weak and just stupid and, and but not- behind him is Eamon and so you have to take him pretty damn well, seriously because behind him is Eamon and like I, in no way is Rhaenyra like as morally bad and whatever as a- Aegon, right? But she also came across as fairly weak in this episode. But behind her is Damon, mm-hmm. right? And so like I just kind of see these sides building as these two potentially f- each one flawed in their own way potential rulers, but behind them are some hard motherfuckers who are not going to take no for an answer, right? Uh, can I can I also say uh, single best wedding toast Helena Targaryen just. Bravo. I got it. I well, got it right here. You pl- repeat it because it was glorious. No, I got what she said before the toast. Go on. Beware the beast beneath the boards. Oh. Oh, I didn't write it down. I didn't hear it. Okay. We're going to talk about that later. Not now. Not now. Not going to talk about that now. Ah! Oh, uh, my but, God. The but, fact they made her a dreamer was a, was it, a beautiful touch. It, it, and she obviously, I think they are going for a little bit of like, potential i mean i'm seeing like potentially autistic i don't know but that's kind of what it seems like they're going for and the fact that jace took her hand and, and went out her and, what, danced with dance? her and danced with her in a it's way a that she way. wanted to dance yeah. like shout out to jace but like obviously pissed Aegon off and really pissed Aemond off absolutely and that was that was clear intent and he did so in a way that was unlike either Aegon or Aemond <laughs> was perfectly masked in politeness because unlike them, he's actually learned the rules of decorum that Allison treasures so much, but apparently has not passed to her children. So what are you, so what are you, were your big, ta- like, so what are your big takeaways this episode? Um, is it, is it just that powerful performance by Patty Constantine? Is that how you're going to remember episode eight? It is, an, it is an aspect of it, but also just how masterfully the show understood we needed one last calm before the storm. That we needed one last, bringing all the characters together, a hope at peace, a hope of reconciliation, an idea of an old man's dream having this just last second effort at coming true. I did. We, you and I talked about. It. We didn't know what this episode was going to be. We had no clue because we had like the brass tacks of the book. And, like, what place is this? Yeah, you know, the sea snake, possible debate over air. That's resolved basically off camera. Who cares? 
And they filled that blank masterfully with something I didn't know that I needed, but fits perfectly in the flow of the show. Kudos to the writers for giving me something that wasn't in the books, but fits so perfectly into the themes, the moments, and the buildup that they have so wonderfully curry, uh, tailored up until this moment. Where, where do you rank it? Where, where is it among episodes for you? I, I, I picture this as being an episode that's only, only going to grow even more over time for me, but it, it's obviously top half. It's top three, maybe at least top three in terms of what we've had so far. It is a very expertly done with episode. And other than I'm going to debate with you aspects of the ending to see what, what so I can just kind of unpack my thoughts about it, it had no clear flaws to me. It really seemed like it was well-paced. Well, when he was talking about the prince that was promised there with... Um... And Allison taking that so visibly to heart and then the trailer for the next episode, which I watched for you. I didn't want to watch it. I didn't watch, watch it. it I didn't watch it. it. Oh, shit. Oh, what, shit. I didn't what watch happened? It. What are you doing with your oh, life? Oh, my God. Fuck me, man. I should have watched it. I was just... I was so hyped. Like, I I always I always watch a little bit behind you, I think. Uh, so you texted me and said you were ready. I didn't want to keep you waiting, so I was running down here. I, Fuck, which I, I appreciate that. It. Well, it seemed Damn. like in that moment, as I was interpreting the episode, that Allison misunderstood completely what the king was saying. She thinks she's the prince that was promised. Yeah, everybody thinks they're the prince that was promised, you know? I mean, it's, unbelievable. Uh, how many people have have been fucked up thinking they're the prince that was promised? Well, you, you know, you know how there are some books that just kind of like... Rhaegar. <laughs> there are some books that you, said, you read them and you're immediately inspired by... Apparently, the prince that was promised legend is just one of those books. Anybody that reads it is just convinced prince that was promised. Just... Allison, that's how it goes. Renera, or thinking it's Aegon. It's and the like, only fucking Aegon, the only fucking person who's the prince that was promised is like, I don't want it, I don't want it. And he's the real one. Look, I I love the connection between the two shows. I know that that's some, that is where I think you can draw the most criticism, right? Hmm. You can you can you can complain about that. I think it's totally valid. I like the connection to the main series because I love the main series, and I I like that they continue to place importance upon what John did. And what, what John's role was. I like that it was a century, literally like centuries of buildup mm-hmm. for him to, him to fulfill that role. Uh, and it just places more and more importance on well, what, cause I, I think John was the prince that was promised. So I think uh, that, that was, it, it just builds and adds to the the mystique and the importance of what he did. So here's how I'm going to, I'm going to say about this episode. Tell me, cause as you said, this is not fucking, your wheelhouse. This is a different kind of episode fucking, for you. It absolutely is. But I don't fucking need three days to tell you this. It's my favorite one of the season. Damn. It's better than the wedding scene. It's better. Absolutely. Because it, if I have never like sat and like cried over like a, like a, such a human element. I mean, yes, it progressed the story. And there were these very interesting plot developments, like especially the battle lines between Eamon and Damon. I am all here for that. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I will Mm. fucking, I'm ready for that. Let's go. And I love, by the way, the casting of Eamon, perfect. That is exactly how I I visioned Eamon one eye. It's not not how I pictured Aegon, but the actor is just such a little shit. I'm like, okay, I'm here for it. (laughs) Yeah, he's not, he's not like, he's not like sociopathic, so he's not like Joffrey, but he is kind of Joffrey-esque. But the fact that they were able to, to, to like affect my emotions in such a way through the arc of one extremely tragic, extremely flawed character that I didn't know I loved so much, uh, really, really impacted me. So it is absolutely my favorite episode of the season. Um, I, I don't need a couple days for that. And it might, it'll probably end up being my favorite of the series because that moment when Viserys is walking 
that whole hall with the music building up the stairs the reactions the around music. him the just the the, the 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 regular almost heartbeat of his cane as he's marching to the throne for one last it time. was an absolutely impactful emotional moment but here's the thing it was earned yeah like they the, the, it wasn't cheap right like that 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 hit of emotion wasn't just old sad old man it was sad dying King Viserys who we know who we like for all these reasons who has these flaws and has these great things about him et cetera et cetera so it was a really earned moment so I I absolutely adored the episode I thought it was fantastic but I I the King Viserys stuff I think we're going to talk a lot about that and we got to wrap up here on our, our recap but I uh really like the casting of Eamon mm-hmm. I love the physicality he's bringing to that role because I, against all odds, I think Matt Smith is bringing some physicality to Damon's role. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that having those two, like, don't fuck around soldiers uh, really established early uh, was, was super important. And, and I, I, I really I really bought into it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It makes for an interesting parallel, too, because if we see Eamon in the role in Damon, it makes him it, it makes Aegon then in the role of Viserys, given the role the two brothers have played in the past, which in that regard, Aegon is the far lesser successor of his father in that regard from what we've seen so far. We have heard about, you know, a boisterous youth on the part of Viserys, but we have never seen a character that was so out of Viserys that was so sniping, weak, and self-destruct, uh, you know, destructive to those around him as um, what we see out of Aegon in this episode. And in this episode, we also got a moment where Alicent had to deal with Aegon's rape victim. Mm-hmm. and talk to her and get her to drink moon tea and get her to go did, away. Did you think the, that the, did think she was going to kill her? Did, 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 <laughs> the entire time that was happening, Bridget kept whispering, is she going to kill her? Is she going to kill herself? Sarah is, thought she was going to kill her too. No, I didn't think I, I, I did. I didn't either, I didn't. but I was like, man, they're giving yeah. some vibes. No, but I, there's, I don't even know if I, I like there, there's just so much emotion in how that scene played out. And you could you could just see it all bleeding off of Allison's face, and of course, I mean, I, like, of course, I'm frustrated with Allison that she doesn't come down harder on her son for what is an atrocious, like, amoral act. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I do see some, I have some sympathy for Allison and what she's what she's trying to hold together here, and the evil that she sees in her son that she doesn't want to be exposed. So it's like there's just so much going on. But that's like the fourth most impactful yeah. emotional scene in the episode. It's like. <laughs> There's only so much room on the list, guys. Damn it, all the hell. And again, this is episode eight, which is famously in Game of Thrones, the worst episode of the season. Boring. Boring. Episode it's eight supposed is to be boring as fuck. Episode eight is traditionally the like the build-up episode to the you know incredible nine ten, the way the way they always go. Eight's usually just like, you know, famously George R. R. Martin wrote that one in episode one in season one. It was like kind of the most ho-hum of all the episodes. And that's kind of stayed true since. And I had no anticipation this would offer anything at all. Instead, they keep just knocking it out of the park left and right. Yeah. I, it, you know what it felt like as it was building? It felt like a finale to me. It did. It felt I like... I feel like they could have ended the season right here. They could have. And, and that would have been okay. We could have had the Green Council and the Black Queen as the first two episodes of season two. And I would have just been crying if for If they ended it with the series last breath, My I would love. be okay. That... God. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. Uh, yeah, so great episode. Thanks, Spencer, for for joining me here to talk about it. We will be back with you probably on Tuesday evening, if at the very latest Wednesday evening, with a full recap podcast where I will go through beat by beat everything that happened in the episode. Spencer will chime in with witty anecdotes and 
wisdom and humor as he always does. And we will go through our segments and we will have a grand old time. So thanks everybody for listening. We hope you have a great week and we'll be back with you probably Tuesday.